Kicking off our, our series of the lessons from Jesus's questions, and um, we're going to look at his first questions, the first recorded questions, at least uh, in Scripture. But first, um, I want to I want to you know lay a, just a little bit of groundwork relative to the series. So, a question is a sentence or worded expression so as to elicit information, and that is what what we are going to be looking at through this series is not just the question itself, but what Jesus' purpose was in the question, what he's trying to get to, maybe even the circumstances surrounding it. But we're going to kind of address it in kind of two ways. So how this series will work, there'll be series study points, and those points will continue, uh, or they will be, you know, numbered. So this week will be a series study one. Next week, series study two uh, will be the second point. And these are going to be kind of overarching or, or beyond just the text, right? Beyond the lesson from the text, something that we can learn from, uh, from, from, the, from the, uh, the principles applied. So it could be a principle of Bible study, maybe history or doctrine associated with it. And then the lessons themselves tied to the questions, these will be more about the interactions these and or the responses, the, circ- the actual specific circumstances. And there will generally be multiple lesson points, and these will be more uh, inspirational, more devotional, if you will. And so we're going to have kind of both aspects of that. And so if I could uh, start these... Um, out. So we're gonna, you know, the, the theme on this on this is kind of red, uh, hence the, the the red letters, and uh, and and so, you know, we're gonna jump into uh, jump into it. So our first, you know, I mentioned our first topic, our first question or questions that Jesus asked appear in Luke chapter 2 in verses 41 through 49 and his parents uh, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year to at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years uh, it was 12 years old uh, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast and when they had fulfilled the days they returned the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not uh, knew not of it But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went about a day's journey and sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Uh, And all uh, that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou uh, thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And and so we literally see the first recorded... I'm sorry about that. The first recorded words of Jesus in Scripture, not necessarily, uh, you know... You know, Luke. We're in Luke. You know, it's after Matthew and Mark, but they're the fir- they're the earliest recorded words of Jesus. Um, and and they're the, these first questions are are kind of almost borderline rhetorical, right? The, how is it that she sought me? Wished she not that I must be about my father's business? Almost, it's a little bit of a like, where else would you have thought I would have been, right? I would be about my father's business. Uh, that he's he's 12 years old. He's not two. So as a result of being 12 and Mary having experienced all the things associated with his his birth, 
knew he was special, knew that there was uh, this was not just a normal kid going through a normal adolescence, that he would be about his father's business. So notice that the first words kind of attributed to Jesus even earlier in the passage, and we did read over them in verse 46, and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. They found him sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So Jesus had been doing some interaction with the with the uh, doctors, with those who were learned in the temple for some period of time, and he was asking them questions. And it was just kind of amazing to me that that's kind of even the first attributed concept to Jesus is that he was interacting with with questions and and. A lot of people would paint that picture to be that he was learning, and he may have been. There may have been some human learning going on there. But clearly, they were astonished. His, his, his earthly parents, Mary and, and, jo- and Joseph, were amazed, according to verse 48. And his mother said, Why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. They're, they are astonished at, at where he is and what's going on. Right? They're surprised by this. But the first recorded words of Jesus is, how is it How is it that she sought me and wished she not? Or didn't, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? So, so our first series study point, and I'm probably going to step over those words a few times as we go through this. But our first series study point, so this week will be number one, next week will be number two. Understanding questions are important to Bible study. Now, yeah, that is the point of this series, no doubt. We're looking at the questions, but there's <coughs> questions, questions who who they're asked from, who they're asked to, what the point of the questions are very telling Amen. in Scripture, Amen. and very telling in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the first words that are recorded as Satan are a question. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, right? Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So his first, so, so a lot of times people will view questions as, as antagonistic. And in this case, they kind of are. Satan is using it to, to create a doubt. Questions don't always have to create doubt, Right? Questions can actually create confidence. I had this discussion with somebody a few weeks ago. We don't like tests generally. There's not too many people that like a test, right? We're preparing for meetings driving test, and and he's had tests in school, and you uh, all have experienced that. I was, I was I was working with somebody in here who had to kind of face a test on on some things. We don't necessarily like tests unless we're confident of the answers. Right? Yeah. Tests are, are not that bad if you know what's coming. And that's why kids will, will sometimes try to cheat or whatever. If they just know what's coming, then they can be prepared for it. But if you understand the content, then tests are not, are not too bad. Right? They're not, it, usually it's just a validation of what you know. In this context, though, he is, he is asking the question not because he wants to know the limit of their, their confidence, He's trying to create doubt. What the answer could have been from Eve was one of great confidence. Well, God said we can eat of every tree, every tree of the garden. But he asked us not to touch or not to eat of that one, right? Not, not the touch part. I just messed up. But, but, but he, he told us don't eat of that one. There would be consequences. He's provided for us. 
it, she could have come with a great confidence. Satan plays on her lack of confidence. And there's, there's some speculation on whether Adam just didn't do a good job of communicating it. Maybe Eve didn't understand. Satan was playing on some confusion. I don't know. But, but defiance can often come in the form of a question. That's right. Right? I mean, you, right. those of you in here who have kids know <laughs> defiance can often come in the form of a question. Sometimes it comes in the form of a no but sometimes it comes in the form of why, right? Mm -hmm. It's a question. Usually defiance doesn't come in the form of how, because if a person is asking how, I, I need you to clean up your room. How is a different, a different response, a questionable or question response than how, or even when, I mean, we would generally mean now when we ask questions, but if we're uh, if we're here with Manning and he walks in to get his stuff and we say, you need to put your stuff away, he probably would conclude that we mean when we get home. But if he said when, I would that might be a reasonable question, right? Maybe. So questions can be can create defiance, but notice even God's response to the situation in Genesis is in the form of a question. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, in verse 9 and 11, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Did God not know where Adam is? I think he knew where Adam was. He is probing, right? He's probing. He's like, Where are you, Adam? What's going on here? Where are you? And I think it, we can even apply it to the concept of how is your heart right now, Adam? Where are you in our relationship? I don't think that's a stretch. And then he continues in verse 11 and he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Again, do we really think God was ignorant to the interaction between Adam and Eve and, and Satan? No, he knows full well as an omnipresent God what that interaction looked like. He, in fact, was present for it, but he is making a point. Who told you you were naked? Well, Satan, you know, got us to eat this, and we came to that conclusion. Hast thou eaten of the tree? He's calling the specific question in Adam's life. And Jesus, we are going to see, and I don't know how long this series is going to go. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. Because there are dozens, we'll see that in a minute, there are dozens of questions that Jesus asks, and they're extremely pointed. Extremely pointed. And he, get, he cuts through all the, all the stuff, all the morass, all the confusion, all the smoke, all the whatever, and he just drills right to the issue. Yes, sir. And he's really, really good at it. And so we see this even with God. Who told you that, that you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. And hast thou eaten of the tree that I told you not to? Right? He gets right to the point. And then we also see the challenge by God. So some of the oldest occurring words in Scripture, from, from a, or an oldest uh, recorded words in Scripture. So the book of Job is one of the, or is, we believe, to be the oldest penned book, right? So Genesis, or yeah, the book of Genesis talks about the creation, but it was written way after the book of Job was, right? So some of the earliest words in the oldest documented book of the Bible, the book of Job, and the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Literally, the 
first interaction that we have chronologically that's recorded that becomes scripture is God interacting with Satan with a question and looking at verse 8 and the Lord said unto Satan hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man one that feareth God and escheweth evil Satan doesn't attack Job straight up he attacks the person that God allows so even the challenge by God is I, I believe in Job. I, be, I think Job's going to do the right thing by our relationship. Have you considered him? And Satan, I mean, I, again, I, we don't have time to go off on too much of a sidebar. I think Satan, because Satan's a man, a, a, a being of pride, right? God plays right into that. Satan probably could have sifted any number of men and women like, like you know, like flour or wheat, right? It could have made it easy to, to, to get a lot of people to mess up. But God, again, cuts to the chase by saying, but have you considered my servant Job? I'm sure he probably had and thought, eh, he's not as easy to get to fool as as Mitch. Mitch, I can get, and it wasn't alive during Job, but I'm sure he's like, <laughs> I can play Mitch like a fiddle, right? But Job, and so God plays on, I believe, plays on the pride in Satan's heart by bringing up Job. Well, what's Satan going to do? He has to he has to step up to that challenge, you know. I mean, it's like it's like all the memes say, "Hold my beer," right? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get Satan to or Satan's like I'm gonna go get Job to sin. I'm gonna go get Job to do something foolish. And what's God doing? He's portraying. He's continuing to proclaim his through Job's life his own glory, right? So questions are really, really good. And so I, I put dozens of questions. Honestly, I'm not even done going through all the questions, but I'm, I'm well into the 70s of questions. So I don't know that we'll, and those are just the, those are kind of the passages. Like I would consider this story, the two questions Jesus asked in this example, one. So there's potentially hundreds of questions that Jesus, Jesus has asked, and I don't think we'll get through all of them. We'll, we'll give the study a good a good run, but I don't know that we'll get. But look at look at just five that I pulled out. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Believest thou this? And Jesus, you know, cuts to the chase. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Will ye also go away? Believe ye that I am able to do this? Like, wow. Those are some good questions, right? So this brings us to our first lesson point. So this is a series point is that questions are important. So like next week, we're going to talk about contrasts. Contrasts in scripture are important, right? That God will use contrasts to paint pictures in one of the questions and the scenarios that, that he has, all right? So the lesson, the first lesson of today's series is Jesus is right where he should be. Jesus is right where he should be. So I'm leading with the point. Now I'm going to support it. So how is it that you sought me? So Jesus' first recorded words, his recorded words to his parents were when they said, we've been looking all over for you. And he's like, how is it that you sought me? Right? So this frames up the, like, like how in the world were you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be about my father's business, right? That's the second kind of half of it, right? How is it? Well, they did it with a, with sorrow and a sense of panic, according to the passage. And when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said unto him, My son, why hast thou dealt 
uh, how hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. So literally, <laughs> Mary says, you've, you've made us crazy worried about you. And Jesus is like, you are crazy worried about me? Like, that almost doesn't make sense. Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? And again, it's this kind of weird, we really see into Mary's heart. If Mary went through what Mary went through, I, did, I definitely believe she did, right? If Mary went through what she went through, she would had to have believed that God would take care of her 12-year-old son before he had accomplished, like, he hadn't done anything I don't, I don't even know how to, how to say it. I don't want to be disrespectful to the Lord, but like he hadn't done, he hadn't done miracles yet. He hadn't shown himself to the nation. He hadn't showed up as the Messiah. Like he's still this, this boy. He's a 12 year old boy. She had to have thought kind of like Abraham thought of Isaac, the promise seed, right? That he was going to sacrifice him. And he's like, the lad and I are going to go worship and return because he knew God's promise flowed through that boy. So I'm a little, but we, but we see Mary's heart. Like she's a mom. She was worried about him. I think I've told the story about, did I tell you the story about when I hid from my mom in JCPenney's at the Blue Ridge Mall? Did I tell that story? <laughs> yes. I did? But tell it again. I haven't heard it. Are you the only one that knows the story? I heard it at some point. I think so. I think I did it in LFBI maybe. Are you, are you taking it? I want to hear all right, so, so Blue Ridge Mall, downstairs, you park in the garage uh, on the, on the west, uh, west side of it, and you go in that, and that was the boys' section, or at least part of it, boys' section. I could, I could take you to the place, except it's kind of underground Gone. now. Yeah. But I, I could take you to the place where, you know, the round, the round uh, racks, right? So the way they, they had, they had like four posts that came up and the way for stability they had they had crisscross welded pieces in the middle which is perfect for a little kid to go between the clothes get up on that little cross member and sit down and hide real good so my mom is has lost me and i can hear her she's as far as chris is from me and i'm and she's panicked because she's lost her boy i mean He's stolen. I was just right there. Right? Oh, and I kept it going until, like, security was involved and she was asking people. Because right? I was winning at this hiding game. But it was with the... But, and, and you've seen it on sitcoms and that, like, when, when the kid... It's like the hug and then the, the slap kind of concept like I'm thrilled what were you doing what were you thinking you know that so Mary has some of this going on right maybe there was a component of God entrusted me with him and now I've messed up right I've you know uh, yeah, I lost him. I lost Jesus, right? I'm dying to talk to Mary about this and and I, you know, it is what it is. But they saw it with a sorrow and a sense of panic. And I'm sure over 3 days it built, right? It didn't start bad. It started with has anybody seen Jesus? No. Well, I thought he was up, and then it gets progressively worse, right? Now, how is it that she sought me? everywhere but where they should have notice in the passage in verse um, in verse 45 and when they found him not 
where did they go? They turned back to Jerusalem, right? Seeking him. So the presumption here or the principle is that they started from the point they were at and started walking back. Now they had gone how long? No, no. They hadn't been gone three days. Um, they, they went a day's journey in verse 44. Verse 44. So they had been only a day outside of Jerusalem as they were leaving with a group of people. And we all know bathroom breaks are long when you got a group of people going, yeah. right? So, like, if you're caravanning from here to fill in the blank, Tulsa, it's going to take way longer if you got six cars than if you got one, right? Yeah. So, if there's if there's people that are trying to a, a group of people that are traveling, which she's alluding to, right? That they didn't that a day's journey wouldn't have been that far, but it takes them three days. Why? Because they're stopping off. Have you seen a boy that looks like this? Have you seen? Well, maybe I, I saw I saw a kid over there. Oh well, we'll go over here and we'll look for him, right? So it's taken them three days to get back to and look in Jerusalem only to get back to the temple. So it took them three times longer, at least three times longer than the, than the journey. And I would argue longer than that because they probably walked with, with, with greater purpose. So they looked everywhere they should have or everywhere but where they should have, right? So they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, they sought him among the kinsfolk, acquaintance, and when they found him not, they turned back again seeking uh, to Jerusalem, seeking him. Where else would he have been other than in Jerusalem and other than at the temple interacting with, with folks? Now, it makes, look, it makes perfect sense to me some 2,000 years later and with the, the, the beauty of hindsight. Just like I'm sure had my mom thought he's hiding and just looked over a couple of those things because they were almost always glass top. I don't know why I remember that. I remember it. That one was glass top because I was looking up waiting for to poke her head over. That one was glass top for sure. That had she just looked a little bit more calmly, thought about it a little bit, she probably would have found me in the first couple of minutes. I think Mary and Joseph probably, if they would have sat and thought about it, would have gone back and started at the temple. But again, easier for me to think of than than losing Jesus, right? <laughs> so so there is a song that I'm so 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 well, let me before I say that. <clears throat> what's amazing is everyone looks for Jesus everywhere else but where he is. Right? Everyone will say, I'm just trying to get my life squared away with God, but they don't do the things that are so straightforward in getting their life squared away with God. I hate organized religion, but I'm going to go try all these churches. Like, I mean, like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense, right? They, they will put things out there, and I'm a, I, I like a lot of different types of music, and, and Michelle's going to roll her eyes when I even reference this, but uh -oh. even the Indigo Girls, she hates. She's like, see, she didn't roll her eyes, but she scratched up her nose. <laughs> The Indigo Girls have this song that was a big hit, I want to say in the late 80s, maybe early 90s, closer to fine. Um, I want to read a few of the verses from it because the Indigo Girls are searching for something. Okay? I went to the doctor. I went to the mountains. I looked to the children. I drank from the fountains. 
I went to the doctor of philosophy with a poster of Rasputin and a beard down to his knee. He never did marry or see a B-grade movie. He graded my performance and said he could see through me. I spent four years prostrate to the higher mind, got my paper alluding to college, and I was free. I stopped by the bar at 3 a.m. to seek solace in a bottle or possibly a friend, woke up with a headache like my head against a board, twice as cloudy as it had been the night before, and I went into seeking clarity. The, the indigo girls have it nailed. We will look everywhere for the comfort that we need, except for the creator, the Lord, who can provide it. People don't want to... And, and, and look, I know I might be stretching the, the doctrinal or the, uh, uh, the inspirational application, devotional application here a little bit. But Mary, if they would have just stopped at God, the first place they would have looked was the temple. Or at least something tied to God's work. They would have started there. They didn't think about there that. There's more than, back in the, the, the words of the song, there's more than one answer to these questions pointing me in a crooked line. None of them point back to Jesus, right? Um, they will point to everything else and they will leave you more cloudy because Satan's in play. They will leave you more cloudy than when you started searching because you were searching for what you thought was truth and then what you find creates more questions. And you're right along the lines of what Satan's trying to do in your life. So Jesus is, how is it that you're seeking Jesus? Oh, I've just got so many problems in my life and I just, well, have you read your Bible recently? No, I don't have time for that. I'm solving all my problems. What about praying? Well, I, I definitely don't have time for that. I mean, do you know how time I got to get up and go to work and, and, and churn through my day? Well, like, I can't help you. <laughs> Because you're not even going to the one that's going to help you, right? I mean, you know, it is it is pretty straightforward. Jesus is very easy to be found. Very easy to be found. So our second point, our second lesson is your family has a business. Get involved. You literally, you didn't know this, but you've bought in to a family business. He said, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know I would be about my father's business? So there's a family business that we all are a part of, and it's a great family business. So what is the Father's business? Well, it's prayer. It's the will of God. It's, uh, we'll talk about the, the staff or who's on, the, who's on the team, what he buys, what he sells, and the work that he accomplishes in the remaining few minutes we have left. The prayer is, is the being in the business, right? Being in the Father's house. He established a, a clear path of communication. If there is one thing I'm learning, it doesn't matter how good a process engineer plans something out. It doesn't matter how good an operations person can, can prepare for a new uh, initiative at work. It doesn't matter how good the, the interface is on the, on the website or uh, whether the supply chain is working. If you don't communicate to the people that need to know what they're going to do, like communication is a really important yeah. part of the plan. Yeah. And it's often assumed that well we had meetings i've actually heard that word. we've had like six meetings on this well and everybody was in every one of those meetings like you you didn't think we needed to like send a group email or something 
So notice, in Mark 11, and they come to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. There's a lot going on, a, a lot of religious activity going on, right? And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple, despite that being part of the function of things going on there. And he taught, uh, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? Again, question. Uh, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And this is one of the relatively few accounts that are in all four of the Gospels. That's how important this concept of prayer and not confusing activity with connection. Do not do that. We had a, a pre-service meeting this morning. I don't, I'm looking around quickly. I don't think anybody else that was in here was part of that. But we even talked about, and Sam is really good about this. You know, we've got to make sure the live stream and if we're having a baptism, we've got to make sure all the pieces and parts are together. But he's like, don't miss for the, the forest for the trees, people. We're not here because we need to hand out handouts. We're not here because the music has to be in the right key. We're not here because the announcements have to go in the right order in the right amount of time. We're here to praise the Lord and to learn. Amen. Mm -hmm. To grow closer to his image. Like we cannot miss the forest for the trees. They were missing the forest for the trees because they weren't in, in prayer. So what's the will or the business plan, the father's purpose? What is his purpose in the business? He has a will that should permeate every aspect of our being. In John 4 and John 6, Jesus said to them, My meat, literally the thing that sustains me, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And obviously those are different chapters and there's I, I push the concepts together. But literally, we've had we've gone through this exercise at work and, and I and, and look, it's a little bit of a tone of business here, so so forgive me. But we have said there have been people that have brought initiatives. We'd really like to start selling fuzzy dice in our clinics, because we you know, we run a medical clinic. Well, we don't sell fuzzy dice. That's not what we do. But, but we can make some money selling, selling fuzzy dice. But, but we don't sell fuzzy dice. Like, that's not what we do. Because we have a mission. We have a vision. This is what we do, right? Our, our vision, our mission should be to operate within his will. Now, there's a lot that comes from that. The Great Commission being probably the most notable. But the, fa the Father's purpose to do his will, like we don't need to sell fuzzy dice out of this building. We don't need to do some of the things that the world classifies as religious activities. No, no, no. We, that's not what we do. What we do is we learn the word of God, we reproduce ourselves, we disciple, we get people to conform into the image of Christ in part through ministry, right? That's what we do. We see folks saved. We share the gospel. We do the things that the Lord has told us to do. Everything else is gravy. Like everything else is out there. We are going to operate a bounce house for the will of God. Yeah. We're not operating a bounce house just because we want kids to smile. Like we could, there's a lot of different ways we can make kids smile. We're doing it within a context, right? And who is the staff? The staff or the team? Who does he engage? He actually allows us the chance to participate in his business. 
He allows his children to be part of the family business. Notice in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Literally, you're part of the business, and he is he is willfully delegating certain aspects of that business to every person in this room, to every person that hears us, every person that's on this campus today, every purpose, every person in the Living Faith Fellowship and our like-minded uh, churches. He has engaged for the mission, right? Even in Matthew chapter 9, in verses 37 through 38, then he saith unto his disciples, the harvest is true, truly is plenteous, but the labors are, free, are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. He desires to do it, but when, how will he, he will, he'll send them forth, but will they go? In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Because you can receive the grace of God in vain by not doing anything with it. He didn't just give it to you to save you. He gave it to save you and for you to tell others. He gave you some bread to share with others. So what does the father buy? What's, this, what's, the, what's the business buying and selling? Well, he buys, so he invests in that which matters to him. He, he spends his resources to get resources in, in his business. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, uh, which are God. So he bought you. Uh, he says that again in, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, you are bought with a price, but you are not the servants of men. But notice, look at this. And even and and, and I love I love this verse Second Peter two one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. But notice this: even denying the Lord that bought them, the folks that are walking by here today that are not part of this ministry, that haven't received the Lord, haven't accepted His sacrifice for their sin. Even those folks, he paid their sin. He paid for their sin. They just need to accept it, right? So he invests in that which matters to him. It's literally the world. It's literally the it's world. No. So, so that's what he buys. But what's he sell? Because God's selling some stuff now. So this is a family business. Did you not know I would be about the father's business? Well, he's selling stuff. He offers us the ability to buy in. And for a low, low introductory rate, you too can buy in to the family business. What is it? He says, I counsel thee to buy of me. This is not, I'm not making this up. I'm not stretching this. He said, buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. There's even a, you get a uniform. You always wanted a job where you got a uniform. You have the family business. <laughs> says the guy who has to wear a uniform. He's like, nope. Uh, <laughs> and, well, but, but hey, at least the shame of your nakedness does not appear. Um, and and point your eyes with ISAB that thou mayest see. Literally, he wants wow. you to be a part of the business and he gives you everything you need if you just buy in. If you just buy in. And this is not a pitch for your cash. This is not a pitch for your cash. Notice even in Proverbs 23, buy the truth and sell it not. 
it, it is going to cost you a little bit to buy into this business. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, right. you know, mm-hmm. but, but, but notice this in Isaiah 55 verse one. This is beautiful. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Because it's not a physical money thing. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Like you get the opportunity to just buy into this family business. And it's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something though. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you making decisions about your day-to-day. Like am I going to serve the Lord or am I going to serve myself? You know? It would be a lot easier to do X, but I need to do Y because the Lord's called me to it. That's tough stuff. And I know, I know that's, I know it's way easier for me to say. Sometimes it's not easy for Mitch Dobson to do. I battled with it this morning about something. And, and it's like, it's just easier sometimes to, to justify or rationalize the inability to do something for the Lord because well, I'm busy. I got stuff got a lot going on this week. It's a busy week, Lord. I'm not sure I can serve you this week. So there's something that's going to be produced in our business. Something, the work that's accomplished. Jesus answered and said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. We're going to work together. We got teammates in this. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. The work's going to stop at some point, but right now there's work to be done. Well, what is that work? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Being confident of this very thing, according to Philippians 1, 6, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he continues in chapter 2, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he is doing a work in your life. And you know what my work is with respect to your life? To facilitate that work getting done. He's commanded me, at the very least, to stand here on Sunday mornings and do my little part, the one little cog in your spiritual growth. And maybe it's not even one cog. I don't know exactly what it is in your spiritual growth, but you've got opportunity after opportunity to get in the Word, to get in ministry here, to do the things that you need to do to be conformed because we are His workmanship. And he that will have begun a good work in you, he will keep doing it until he's done. And you look amazingly like Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. So, So our two lessons. Do you know where to find Jesus? And will you engage in the family business? I mean, that's really what it comes down to today. So Jesus is... You know, earthly parents show up and they're like, you know, where where you been? We've been looking all over for you. Well, you didn't know where you'd find me? I mean, I'd be doing stuff about my father, right? I'd be working in my father's business. Like, if you ever have trouble finding Jesus, just look for him. Just look for him. Don't, don't try to find all the other things that will fill that void. Jesus will fill that void. He's not on the side road. He's not on the between Jerusalem and where however day's journey they got. He's right where he needs to be. He's easy to be found. And when you find him, you have to be prepared to buy into the family business. There will come a day when the when the prophets, when the work on this earth is done, and, and God will sit at his spiritual table of prophet. And it's not like some 
you know, smoke-filled room where he's counting up his money. <laughs> he will look over his people with great joy and great pleasure, knowing that you are conformed to the image of Christ. That is a beautiful thing. Let's pray.